Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Wow, everybody. Wow, 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 wow. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Uh, it is so great to have all of you joining us here today. What an incredible day this has been for so many people in so many ways. I want to thank all of you, um, as I, as I love to do, all of you, the best listeners on the planet, for tuning us in and turning us on. Thank you for absolutely supporting the Dr. Pat Show and for Transformation Talk Radio. I want to give a shout out to all of the stations, uh, such as this one that picks us up and you know, helps plug us into the thousands of people worldwide. Uh, and I want to thank you all so much for doing so. Today we've got an incredible show for you. How can each of us, how, how can this, th- I have to tell you, I, I just got to tell you, this topic is so near and dear to my heart, so personal for me. I am so thrilled to introduce you to my guest today. Use inner power to heal yourself and your doctors with my very special guest, Kathleen O'Keefe, Cannabis. And I want to just tell you, this is, in my opinion, a sneak preview of the miracles that are to come. Wait till you hear today's show. Wait till you hear the stories. Wait till you hear some of the issues that we're facing. And for anybody that's been on a healing journey, for those of you out there that know me, you know I've shared bits and pieces of my healing journey, and I'm actually healing more and more. But Kathleen, my special guest today, is someone that is going to rock your socks. She's joining me here today as a two-time breast cancer survivor. Um, and And honestly... Her book is going to be coming out. I'm predicting it's going to be an incredible bestseller. Wait till you hear. Wait till you hear what this conversation is about. She's an international speaker. She is a counselor. And that doesn't even just get to touch upon what she is doing to raise the bar, shine the light on cancer, cancer survival in a whole new way. Beyond all of the writing that she does, beyond her dedication and commitment to helping people, all of us understand what Ernie is about, she's someone that's committed to making sure that when we look at surviving, surviving cancer is one thing, but surviving recurrence of cancer is another thing. And today you're going to hear about this. I don't know if you know, but almost all of us know people that have gone through the experience of breast cancer. Some people have survived it. Some people um, are in the process of surviving it. People such as my, you know, my best friend Linda's mom and, and, and what that's about. But many of you live in the world of what I call under discovery. And that means we just don't know how to discover the truth about things. Kathleen, thank you for joining us. It is awesome. It's wonderful to have you on the show. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Well, thank you, Dr. Pat. Uh, What a wonderful introduction, and it's a pleasure to be here with you and your program. Well, let's start by a question that I ask everyone. And it's a question that I've just about asked everyone from the day I started to do this in 2003. I've just shared a little bit about your, I hate to say it, bio. It's not even, it doesn't even touch upon your journey. But given given your life, given where you are now, what are some of the challenges and what are some of the os- obstacles that you've had to overcome to bring you mm-hmm. to this very moment? 
Well, I think um, one of, one of the biggest ones, and and I, I just want to say how much I love my doctors. I want to put that right out in the front. Um, they, you know, the doctors are not that open to thinking outside of the box. And so when I was going through both of my cancers where I was using the dream realm, the psychic realm, the spiritual realm to help me make decisions, I, I actually protected my doctors from that by not letting them know where I was getting the information that they were validating with their tests. And they would look at me with this funny look on their face and say, how did you know to do this? And I would say, well, you know, I read it somewhere, or I did this, or I did that. Because I had to give them the opportunity to have deniability. And one of the things that, I, that I'm trying to do is when my book comes out, which is basically a double-blind study between the medical field and the psychic realm, because throughout this, I'm saying to them, prove me wrong. Prove, prove what I'm telling you is wrong. Use your test and prove me wrong. And when they would do that, they would actually prove me right, which proved there's more than one way to skin a cancer. And, that, and that's one of the, the biggest messages that I've got. But the medical community, um, they're, they're so, they're, they're so um, they, they concentrate so much on the scientific part of disease that they leave out the spiritual, emotional, psychic realm of healing. And when you combine those two together, you come out with a healing that is greater than the sum of its individual parts. And so one of the things that I was trying to do throughout this was not only teach others around me that were going through this cancer, but to teach my doctors. And I had a lot of doctors. I had a lot of doctors, Dr. Pat. I mean, I had pages and pages of them. So there were a lot of doctors to teach. You know, what would, what do you think was your greatest challenge in conveying the lessons across the board? My biggest challenge was deciding whether to completely just believe my doctors or believe in the information that was coming through to me in my dream realm, Mm -hmm. to believe in myself, to believe. You know, we're all taught, oh, pray, pray to God, pray for this, pray for that. But then when he sends you an answer, we tend to ignore it. God, that can't possibly be. And it's not so much that we distrust um, our our religion, our God, our, our beliefs. It said, I'm not sure that we really believe in ourselves enough to say, you know what? Maybe I am worthy of an answer. Maybe I just got an answer. I need to grab it and run with it. And that was probably one of my biggest challenges to say, okay, I trust in what these spirit guides, these angels have said to me in these dreams to go before the chiefs of oncological surgery, the chief of oncology, the chief of radiology at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and say, I want you to do this. I know you want to do this, but I I really want you to do this and prove to me that what I want you to do is wrong. That was my biggest challenge. And not say to them, excuse me, but I got this information in a dream. I got this information um, through through the, the spiritual realm of healing because I wanted help from them. I didn't want a padded cell where I would not get the therapy that I knew I needed. My guides did not say, go to Swami Wami, the Indian doctor. They said, go back to your doctors at the Dana-Farber and get the help you need. They didn't send me somewhere else, which I think is very interesting. A lot of people who are in holistic healing um, and, the, and the Holistic Healing Institutes will say, well, you know, the, they, they're a little bit disparaging of the, the, the medical industry because the medical industry is a bit disparaging on them. But my guides were saying, embrace them, teach them, heal yourself. They can heal you. We're going to give you the information that when you, when you weave it into um, conventional healing, you're going to come out on top. 
This is such a significant conversation, Kathleen. I want to, for all of you tuning in, use inner power to heal yourself. This is a very important conversation. And I, I want to give our listeners a little background on your journey. And the reason I think it's so important to do it, um, you got your messages in the, the sleep time, right? The dream time. I got my uh, messages. I did the first time. And, and as, when it, when it was first happening, it mm-hmm. came through in dreams. And you have to understand also mm-hmm. where I was at that part of my life. My mother had just died six months earlier of colon cancer. And I had nursed her through the last months of her life, actually the last year. And when I saw the horrible death that she went to through, when I found that I had the breast cancer or the dreams were telling me that I had breast cancer, the first thing I wanted to do was say, shut up. I don't want to hear this. I know what can happen. I don't want to believe you. Stop talking to me. My doctors told me that I was healthy. They told me that my mammograms were healthy, my blood tests were healthy, and they can't feel anything. I want to believe them. You guys shut up and don't come back. And because of uh, the law of, of, of allowance, where you are allowed and permission where you will give permission for the other side to speak to you or not, if you tell them to shut up and go away, they will. They must. So that was where I was coming from. I was coming from an area of extreme fear, and now suddenly I have to take these dreams that are telling me I am sick with cancer and go back to these doctors and say, no, you're wrong, I'm not healthy, which I would really like to be. I want you to prove to me that uh, that that I'm not sick. So, f- for many of us that have been down the healing path um, and are still down coming down the healing path, you know, there's this idea of the inner voice, and let's talk about that for a minute because you know the inner voice was you know for you was the the key to healing yourself and getting the. Uh, allegiance, so to speak, of your doctors. There are many people that have this voice that speaks to them. What do you think um, is the most beneficial thing that you can say to these folks to pay attention? Because sometimes it comes in so many ways, don't you think, Kathleen? Mm-hmm. Oh, it does. It comes in many ways. But no matter how it comes in, I think you need to listen to it. Um, if you notice children when they're when they're very young, and a child is closer to the spiritual realm than adults are because they haven't been on the earth plane long enough to learn not to listen to their inner selves, not to listen to that inner voice. They've been in an area um, before they were born and when they were on the other side longer than they've been in the earth plane. And so they, they speak with imaginary friends, they talk with imaginary friends, and these imaginary friends often keep them out of trouble. As we grow up and get older and more quote-unquote mature, we trade in those inner voices of guidance for scientific facts and logic. Sometimes that which is logical on the earth plane isn't necessarily logical on the spiritual plane because there are no limitations on the spiritual plane. And there are so many limitations that we, that we put onto ourselves on the earth plane. And through our dreams and these inner voices that come in during daydreams, um, and, and not even daydreams because the second time I was diagnosed with cancer, there was no daydream, there was no night dream. The voice came into the room and said, tell the doctor to look here. And, of course, the doctor's going, you're, you're healthy, Mrs. Cannabis, go home. And I wasn't. I was in stage four. But it took me four and a half months to get an MRI to prove that because I had no symptoms. I was asymptomatic. And most women who, who have breast cancer are asymptomatic until it's too late. By the time you have symptoms, it's too late. And so you know, I think the biggest challenge is listen to that voice. Listen to those inner feelings, those intuitions. Women have incredible female intuition. Our body talks to us constantly. It tells us when we're getting ready to menstruate. It tells us when we were going into PMS. It tells us when we are getting ready to um, have a child, when we're pregnant. And it also tells us when somebody we love in our family is in danger. We know. How do we know? 
we just know and we believe it and we start calling them. And when we can't get a hold of them, we start to panic. And we start praying and saying, guides, help me find them. And boom, a phone call comes and says, so-and-so is in the hospital. They have pneumonia or they have this or they have that. And now you're able to help. When we look at this, let, let's talk a, a bit uh, about um, uh, you know your journey, so that our listeners understand this. I mean, I can only imagine, uh, you know, what it's like, especially on my own journey. I didn't get my messages and dreams; I just got them intuitively, and things would come out of my mouth. Um, one of the things that came out of my mouth is, you know, what I don't think I have what you say I have, and you know what, I'm not going to keep taking this medicine for it because I don't think I have it. But when we stand up for ourselves, there is a way that we do this that in such some level makes sense. In your case, you really, uh, you know, lifted up the rock. And there are many things that are crawling out from under that rock right now, many things you're shining a light on. You know, one would think, how do you have a conversation with a doctor, uh, especially a conventional doctor, about psychic dreams? And, you know, what was it that pulled you forth? And and many people would say, conventional doctors, really? Is that who you went to? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I did go to conventional doctors because that, again, is what the dreams told me to do. Exactly. I had gone to the conventional doctors in the first place because it was my time for my yearly mammogram. And I went... I had the mammogram, I had the blood test, the, the normal, you know, battery of tests that you have for your yearly, um, you know, checkup. And when I came home that night and went to sleep, I had a dream. And in the dream it said, you are really sick. You are really sick. You need to go back to your doctor. And so I woke up and, and I believed this. And I went back to the doctor and I said, I think that, that you may have missed something. And they, and they told me in the dream, they said, you have breast cancer. Tell the doctor to look right here. And so I went back to the doctor and I said, can you feel anything here? Can you feel anything? And he said, no. Kathy, you're healthy. Well, I had three more mammograms. They kept giving me the same test, three more mammograms. And blood tests. And they said, you're healthy. Go home. And I went home and I'm crying. And I, and, and I had a dream that night where the guides said, look, if you go back and you confront that doctor as you would if, as if you were a judge and you had to speak to a jury to convince a jury or you were an attorney and you had to convince a jury, that's what you do. And here's a feather. Here is a white feather. You hold this feather in your hand, in your mind, when you're speaking to the doctor, and you verbally fence with him. And if you hold this feather in front of you, in your mind, you'll win. You need to have him do exploratory surgery. And I'm saying to the guy in my dream, nobody's going to do exploratory surgery on me. And the guy said, if you hold that feather in front of you, your doctor will come around. So the next day, without an appointment... I drove all the way back into Boston, which is about an hour and a half, showed up on my doctor's doorstep, and he said, Kathy, why are you back here? And I said, because I want you to do exploratory surgery on my breast. Well, you could have knocked him over with that feather. The look on his face was was terror. And he said, I can't do that. I cannot do that. It's against hospital policy. It's against my policy. And I know that there's nothing there. And I imagined that feather, and I said, you need to listen to me. I know my body. You know that I am not the type of person who is a pain in the neck, but I've come to you four times. I've had the three same tests over and over again, and I know something is wrong. Prove me wrong. And he looked at me for the longest time, and he said, okay, And I'm going, my gosh, did he just say okay? (laughs) I can't believe this. Did he just say okay? And he said, he gave me a date, and um, I went in for this exploratory surgery. He did an MRI at that point. He said, I'm going to go right down over this area where she thinks there is something. And he says, if there's anything there, it's going to be a fibristic tumor, and we're just going to take it out. So I went in for surgery, and I was so concerned about this area that Under anesthesia, I heard him say, well, we got it all, let's close her up, and I dragged myself out of anesthesia. 
and I freaked everybody out in the in the operating room. I turned to the doctor and I said, "Did you get it all?" And he 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 looked at me and he said, "Kathy, yes, we did." And I heard the anesthesiologist as he came up over the top of my head and said, "Did she just speak?" And the doctor said, "Give her more." Well, he I was in excruciating pain because I had completely I completely woke myself up out of anesthesia and I, and my breast was wide open. And um, it took me hours to come out of that anesthesia. And when I did, my doctor came into the room and he closed the curtain behind him and he said, pathology didn't like what they saw when they cut open the fibristic tumor. And I said, so it's cancer? And he said, yes, it is. And now I must uh, turn you over to a specialist. And because when I was speaking to him, when he said, okay, Kathy, we'll do the surgery. If that's what you want, I'll find a way. We'll do the surgery. I said, who's going to do it? And he said, well, I am. You're too young for cancer. You can't possibly have cancer. You're only 42 years old. You're too young for cancer. So, so I'm just going to do the surgery. And I said, well, shouldn't we have somebody, an oncologist even in there? He said, you don't need it. He just kind of laughed at me. So now, all of a sudden, he has to turn me over to a specialist, and the specialist, the oncologist, has to do a second surgery to make sure I have clear margins and it's not in my lymph nodes, and it was in my lymph nodes. I was already in stage two. When you go through an experience like this, and this is for everybody out there, you know, you talk about this and you refer to this this journey uh, and, and your book title, uh, Surviving Cancer Land. And mm-hmm. I think that we have to take a moment to talk about you know this analogy this 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 idea of cancer land and how you talk about this this idea of looking through the looking glass looking down the rabbit hole because this is such a fascinating a way to look at the journey that somebody takes as we go down this path of breast cancer isn't it yes it is it, and it is cancer land it is alice in wonderland with cancer that you know you're given drugs and they're not really sure what they're going to do because they've experimented, yes, on some people, a lot of mice, but people are individuals. There really is no norm when you're dealing with people. There might be a norm when you're dealing with mathematics, but people are such individuals, and that individually changes the dynamics of whatever the equation is. So when you give one person a pill that works, you give that same person, uh, a different person, that same pill, and it doesn't work, and you give it to a third person, and they have uh, an adverse reaction to it. It is cancer land, just like Alice. She took the pill. She grew tall. Then she shrank down to nothing and crawled through, you know, through the keyhole. That's what it's like. You don't really know, and that's where that inner guidance comes through. That's where you need those guides, those, those people who love you from the other side to keep you safe and hold your hand and lead you through cancer land and up another rabbit hole back to the normal world of everyday life. You can't do it alone. You have to find your white rabbit. You have to find your March hare. You know, you're going to be running into the most bizarre people you can imagine, and they're going to be saying things that sounds like the Jabberwocky talking to you when they're explaining what they're going to do with you in the treatment. You're sitting there in the chair going, what did you just say and how do you spell that? So, you know, this is really uh, a conversation. You know, people listening to the show, Kathy, I mean, I'm listening to you, and you are very strong, very powerful, uh, spokesperson for yourself, but if any if anyone out there is kind of like me and you know my own journey, but other people that I've actually gone to the doctor with, it is so difficult to even stop and ask her ask a question, let alone challenge the authority. Um, what do you say to folks out there now that are thinking, you know, intuitively I thought this or I'm thinking this, but I just don't have the courage to go back and say. I need you to do this. I need you to run an ultrasound or so forth and so on. Well, there's a couple of things. Um, and, and the first one is um, what the first one is um, 
trusting in yourself enough and and the idea that there's more than one doctor. Um, you know, actually, the second time I came down with breast cancer, and my my doctors in Boston simply wouldn't do what I wanted them to do. I wanted a double mastectomy. I had stage four lobular cancer, which has a tendency to mirror itself in the other breast, and that's why my second book is basically looking through the mirror. Um, and uh, surviving recurrence in cancer land is looking through, looking in the mirror and seeing a reflection of yourself. Lobular cancer is is a cancer that tends to reflect itself in the other breast. And the doctors, you know, they they had their own idea of the protocol, and it was, you know, Kathy, we're going to take care of you. Stop worrying about this. This is what we want to do, and I just knew it wasn't right. So I did the unprecedented thing of replacing them with New York doctors. <laughs> I said, I'm going to go to New York. And they were, they, they were mortified. And they called my New York doctors, and they said, you know, we think that she's unstable. We just want you to know we, we don't think that you're dealing with a stable patient here. And so I met these chiefs of everything in, in, in New York, and um, I spoke with them. And one of the doctors looked at me. He was a marvelous doctor, a marvelous surgeon. And he said, you know, you have to do what your doctors tell you to do. And I remember thinking, oh, boy, here we go. And I... I practically climbed across his desk to get eye contact with him because he was looking at everything except me. And I said, no, 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 I don't. I said, I'm actually flying my own plane. My body is my plane, and I'm the pilot. And I must make decisions that I can not only live with but die with. And I'm looking for the best co-pilot that I think in the world to fly my plane while I can't. Now, if, if you don't think that you can fly with me, if you don't think that you can work with me, please tell me now. It's okay. I understand. So I can go and find someone who can. And he sat there for a long time and he looked at me. And then he said, well, let's talk about this other surgery that you want to do and this and that and whatever. And he said, I don't want anything except the double mastectomy. And I'm not even sure I want to do the double mastectomy. I, I may only want to do one breast. And he said, because I don't want blood transference when you've got uh, uh, cancer still in your system, which is another story. But finally he said, you know something? You're right. You are the best pilot to fly your plane, and I want to be your co-pilot. And I said, oh, thank you, God, in my mind. Oh, I'm going, oh, oh, my God, I don't have to look for a third set of doctors. But um, my, doc my first doctors had wanted to do a lumpectomy, on this second stage four cancer. And my guides came into my dreams and they said, no, 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 no. What you want to do is you want them to do an MRI on that spot every three, every two months because you're doing six months worth of chemotherapy. Wow. And you want to see that that, that that tumor is shrinking because if it's not shrinking, you don't want to go through six months of chemotherapy to find out it's not working. And you want the doctors to change their protocol of taking out these lumps and then just playing, you know, let's shoot in the dark and hope we hit something. They don't know whether or not something is working until it stops working, and that's not good enough. So you need to retrain them to watch what's happening with the chemo and not just trust that it's going to work because every single person is an individual. And, and, and it's too difficult on the body to go through six months of chemotherapy, find out that it didn't work, and have to take another four or five months of chemotherapy and find out that didn't work. You have um, protocols in the hospital whereby you can find out whether or not it's working. And so when I told my doctors that, they said, well, that's not hospital policy. And I said, then change it. Change the policy, which is more important the hospital or the patient. And what good is it to have hospital policy if the if the you don't even know if the treatment's working? What kind of what kind of therapy is that? So they all talked about it for a while and they said, "Okay, we'll do it." Now they've actually changed the policy and instead of taking out the lumps, they actually do the MRIs to make sure the chemo's working. Well, I mean, 
you know, it's kind of interesting that we're having this conversation because, you know, I remember having a very similar conversation, you know, with one of my doctors. Um, and, um, and, 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 you know, when you're having these conversations, a lot of times you wonder, Kathy, if, if you're actually getting through to them, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, so for our listeners, you know, the thing that I think you've discovered and your perseverance and your commitment to this is just astounding. But you are, went out and sought the people that would at least have a uh, common ground with your conversation and with your ideas. Uh, I mean, you didn't give up and you certainly didn't waver or cave in on what your inner voice was telling you. Now, here we are, we're talking about, you know, this soon-to-be book that's coming out. What do you want your message to be when that book comes out? What's your message? What are you telling people that are listening to show and that will read your book? What I'm, the message is when you believe in something, don't allow fear to, to, to turn off the knowledge that's coming in. When you're up against a doctor who's not listening to you, keep repeating yourself. Keep repeating yourself. Don't take no for an answer. Don't give up. Because when you go into treatment and you give your power completely over to them and you shut your mind and your emotions off, you are tackling or going into battle with only half of a game plan. You're missing yourself. You're trusting them to completely heal you, which is not fair to them, and it's not fair to you. So you need to trust in yourself, trust in the universe. The universe is extremely powerful. If you put out to the universe that you are really open to help, that this isn't working, when you say a prayer and ask for help, listen for the answer. It will show up. It may not be the answer that you expected, but nine times out of ten, it's the right one. So go with that answer and make it your mission to get the help you need, get the attention you need, and if you find that your doctor still is not listening to you, find a different doctor. There are lots of doctors. And my New York doctors called my Boston doctors and said, you know what? You need to be listening to this girl because she's not off her rocker by any stretch of the imagination. Everything that she has said has been true. And if she had done the things that you told her to do, she'd be dead. And sometimes by getting a different doctor that will listen to you, that doctor may be able to teach the other doctor. And the doctor that wasn't listening to you before may listen to the next patient and that patient may live. Well, you change doctors. Well, let's talk about the bigger picture of things, too. Um, you alluded to this early on. You alluded to the system that we're all part of. And in, in, in this country, we have a medical system. Uh, we have a health care system. We have a political system around this. We have an administration that we know as the FDA, which monitors, you know, what we can have and what we can't have. We also have something that's called the Center for Disease Control, which also tells us things like, guess what? Lyme disease is not really an epidemic. And so let's talk about some of the things that you had to battle in terms of these other systems that would either tell you what you can or cannot take and what you did about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, one of the biggest things that we run up against is this thing called the hospital policy game. And the hospital policy game rules you, and it it also rules the doctors. It tells doctors how long they can, how much time they can spend with you, and what tests and protocol it can be used under certain certain circumstances. For instance, uh, when I was going through this, my, my, like I said, my mother died of colon cancer. I wanted a colonoscopy. Well, at, during the time that I was having the colonoscopy, I also wanted an endoscopy because I'd been taking a lot of medications. 
And I, you know, I was sick to my stomach, the whole nine yards, everything that you get when you're taking chemotherapy. I wanted to make sure that everything was all right because when you've got cancer around the breast, it can go into anything else, and you need to know if something is wrong before you have symptoms. And the doctors were saying, well, we can't do an endoscopy at the same time. You have no symptoms. I'm thinking, oh, here we go with the hospital policy. So I looked at him and I said, like what? And he said, well, you have to have really bad indigestion. I said, I've got it. And he said, well, no, I mean, you've got to be like throwing up blood. I said, I'm vomiting a lot of it. What else do I need? And he said, well, you have to have horrible stomach pain. I said, yeah, I got that too. And then he started laughing and he said, Kathy, I said, I told you I've got it. You had to put it down on my records. Now, if you don't give me an endoscopy and something's wrong, it's in my records, and you're going to be held responsible. You know, I got my endoscopy, and they found that I had a hiatal hernia from the vomiting that I was doing with the, the chemotherapy. So now I get one every five years when I have the colonoscopy automatically because they have to keep an eye on it. Now, if I had not known how to play that hospital game, I would have just said, oh, well, okay, all right, then if you're not going to give it to me, you're not, until I had some horrible symptom and then it was too late. So you have to learn the hospital policy game and play it. If you know something is wrong, figure out what the symptoms would be if it was worse and go in and tell them you want this checked out because we've been paying into the insurance companies forever and they cover this, so use them. Use the hospital and use your insurance and, and take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, nobody else is going to. You're when your you, main priority in life. When you decided to, you know, uh, let the cat out of the bag, so to speak, or really shine the light on your story and, you know, understanding what it means to uh, have these in, innate abilities, psychic, intuitive, whatever you want to call them, um, there is a, a level of this that everybody listening to the show and pretty much almost everybody on the planet has had a sense of, that inner voice, whether it's your gut-wrenching stomach telling you about something. What do you say to people to help them cultivate that voice? So not everybody is as clear or got as clear a message as you did, for example. What would you say to people to help them cultivate this voice so that they can get this straight and, and be able to do something about it? I think one of the easiest ways to cultivate that inner voice is through your dreams. Everything in life dreams. If you have a cat or a dog or even a bird, you see that when they're sleeping, they're twitching, they're, they're, they're licking their lips, they're, they're whining, they're talking to something. They are in touch with something within their, their mind, within their psyche. And um, I think the dream world is the door to the other side. Um, and, and through this doorway, we can contact with the spirit guides on the other side. I just happen to be a, a, a very prolific dreamer. But it's, if you're not, it's still easy to become one because dreaming is natural. And um, everybody, even children, small children, dream. So if you want to really cultivate this, one of the first things that I would do is to work on your dream works is what I call them. Put a notebook by your bed. And when you go to sleep at night, verbally voice your intention to remember your dream before you go to sleep. Because one of the first things you've got to do is you have to train yourself to remember not to forget. You did dream, but you forgot. And that comes with time and effort. So you have to reopen the pathways into your dream world, which connects to the world on the other side where where all your dead relatives are. And your relatives are actually given permission to come back during a time of crisis to help you. So if you're in crisis, what a wonderful way to allow your family that loves you so desperately to come back and help you and help answer your dreams uh, for help. So all the dream worlds are, are very unique to a dreamer. 
And what might be frightening to one dreamer may be enlightening to another. For example, a large snake in one person's dream may be frightening. But to me, a large snake would be the kundalini, the ultimate spiritual wisdom rising to the top. So I would consider that a very good dream, and I, I would try to remember everything in that dream because I would probably, you know, look for a message. Although when I dream, usually the the messages are so profound, I couldn't miss them if I tried. I mean, they, they're 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 so there. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, I you would you, I would voice my intention to remember the dream before you even go to sleep. Then early morning dreams are really the easiest ones to remember. So by keeping the notebook beside your bed, as soon as you awaken, write down what you do remember, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if you can't remember much. If you're still having trouble remembering, lie back down in the bed in the same position you were in when you woke up and try to remember the last thing you remembered before you woke up. Dreams are very elusive. So if you still can't remember the dream, write down your feelings. Was your dream happy? Was it sad? When you woke up, were you frightened? Did you feel very content or were you anxious? And then write down the color that pops into your head while you're trying to remember the dream. Any color. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. If it's wrong, chances are your dream the next night will tell you. So just write down any color that pops into your mind. And then, very important, give your dream a title, even if it's something like the dream without a name. If some part of that dream returns to you during the day, let's say while you're daydreaming or you're peeling potatoes or you're cleaning the kitchen counter, jot it down on a piece of paper and add it to your dream journal. And over time, your dreams will start to begin to be become longer with more in you know information and you'll start to interface with yourself and your guides in your dreams. I remember one dream that was really a fantastic dream for me. And in this dream I walked into a room and there were a whole bunch of people sitting in there. And they were all looking at me and they knew me and they said hello to me and they were talking to me like they'd known me all my life and I'm looking at them going, Who are you people? And all of a sudden the door opens, this doctor walks in puts her hand out to me to shake and says, Hi, I'm Dr. Jules. I'm your doctor within. And I looked at her. Oh, wow. And she said, Yes, I'm Dr. Jules. And so after that, whenever I needed help, I'd say, Dr. Jules, I really need help with this. This doctor is not being, you know, you, you know, he's just not doing what, he, what we want him to do. And she would come to me in my dreams and give me information that was just unbelievable. So we all have these guides and we have these people within and we are their job. And meeting yours in your dreams is a wonderful step to a much more fulfilling life. So when you're dreaming, also, if you start thinking about a deceased family member in your dream when you wake up and, you, and you're still thinking about them, chances are very good that you didn't just dream about them. You saw them. And they can give you guided information. And like I said before, a lot of times they're given permission to return and give you this information, especially when you get stuck in a position where you're just not getting the help you know you need. It's amazing what the people on the other side can do to manipulate environment, manipulate situations, and suddenly things just happen. You know that feather. You just imagine that feather and say, I want this surgery. And it's like something comes over them and they say, okay. (laughs) uh, You know, like a vampire came in and glamored. I mean, like, okay. So, um, you know, your your psychic dreams are so important and accurate. Um, So it's really, it's, it's so important that you connect with them, not just for your health, but for your everyday life, thing for your everyday decisions. Should I date this person? Should I not date this person? Between these two people, who should I uh, who, who should I give more attention to? What's going on with my child? What's going mm-hmm. on with my husband? What's going on at work? They can help you with all of these things because sometimes we're so close to the situation that we can't see the forest for the trees. Um, so, you know, with the, the with the recent changes in the health care, including increasing the age for the first mammograms and hospital policies, 
our inner guidance is more important than ever because it can actually save your life. Um, so, you know, there really are seven categories of dreams. Mm-hmm. You've got your daydreams when you're right. awake, but you're focusing on something like, like I said, peeling potatoes. Right. And then you've got your lucid dream where you know that you're dreaming, but you can't wake out, you can't wake up, and, but you can kind of control the outcome of it. For instance, mm, let's say that in this lucid dream, you're seeing something that happened in your hos- in your work or in the hospital that you were uncomfortable with and you'd like to come out with come up with a solution better than the one that you had that fits you better. In your dream you can change that and a lot of times what happens is you begin to live your dream. When you're awake, you're suddenly in that same room, you suddenly see somebody walking with a red sweater. Somebody in blue jeans says exactly what was said in your dream, and you know that's your cue. And you jump up and you say what you said in your dream to change the situation, and boom. You just had a lucid dream that you brought into the earth plane to change your situation and make it more livable. And nightmares. You know nightmares get a really bad rap. Yeah, they Um, really do. (laughs) And they can be so healing. I had this one nightmare, um, and it truly was a nightmare. It was the second time when I knew that I I had the the second breast cancer, and um, the doctor that had done the mammograms and was reading the mammograms in front of me would not believe that I thought that something was wrong um, on one of the, the mammograms. And that night I had a dream where I walked into a room and my guides were dressed up like doctors in white, white, uh, white doctor coats and a little hat on their head and white clogged shoes. And they never dress like that. They're usually in these monk robes. And I'm looking at them, and this one female uh, guide motions me to walk over to her, and she's holding my mammograms. And she points to the bottom left part of the mammogram, and I look, and there's my name. She points to the mammogram, and poof, she turns into this giant clown with red curly hair and this great big red nose, and her white clogs turn into these giant red shoes, and she's rocking back and forth and laughing. And I'm saying to myself, wake up, wake up, this is a nightmare. But the truth of the matter is, it was a prophetic dream. She was telling me exactly what was going on. The doctors, wow. as far as reading those mammograms, were clowns. Wow. And I couldn't forget it. So I immediately went back, and I confronted my doctor, and I said, Look, I know something's wrong, and I want an MRI, and I'm not leaving here until I get it. And he said, Kathy, we can't just give you an MRI because you want one. You're healthy. I just talked to a doctor upstairs who read your mammograms. You're healthy. And I said, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. You're going to have to call security and drag me out of here kicking and screaming by my feet, and I'm going to be on the 2 o'clock news tonight, and uh, the Channel 2 news tonight. And he said, okay, all right, if you want to be like that, fine. He said to his secretary, give her her appointment. took me four and a half months to get it, and I was in stage four. But the point is, the nightmare is what pushed me back there the next day to say, I'm not leaving. I don't care what you do, I'm not going. And that nightmare actually saved my life. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, before we get too far here, I mean, I want to make sure people know how to find out more about you, your website, you know, uh, what they can look for in the upcoming books. Let's give out a little bit of information about you. Okay. Uh, you can always um, uh, go to my website, and from there you can you can reach me on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, and my website is www.survivingcancerland.com. You can also go to Google and Google my name, Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis, because all the articles that I've written for a number of, of online magazines and Cape mm-hmm. Wind, uh magazine, um, I've even got some articles in Colette Baron reeds um, online magazine. They're all under Google and you can click onto those, and my bios at the bottom of the magazine are interactive, so you can click onto those, and they'll take you to my my web page, my LinkedIn, my Facebook page, um, 
Twitter, all of those. I think it's fabulous. I mean, I can't believe how quickly the time has gone. I, 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 I want to ask you about um, what seems to be quite controversial right now in a lot of forums. And it's not, you know, it's not around just cancer, but health in general. And this idea of conventional versus natural medicine. And I wanted to talk with you a bit about what you discovered on your journey. Well, what I discovered mostly is that there's more than one way to skin a cancer. Yeah, that's right. You know, there there really is. And and there is no absolute one way. There are many ways. For instance, I'm I'm doing a fundraiser right now for a girlfriend here on Cape Cod who came down with um recurrent breast cancer in her bones, stage 4. And uh she had 9 places in her bones that that had cancer and the doctors said here's a prescription for pain medicine uh she was in california at the time move back home with your family on the east coast uh so that they can help you in in your last days and she refused to give up and she went to the gerson therapy um in mexico right because there, there was nowhere else to go for help and uh, they gave her about three or four months. Well, that was six months ago. And out of the nine places, seven of them have disappeared on her bones. She's doing better than she's ever done. Um, and I really believe she's going to survive. She, she didn't take no for an answer. She didn't go home and die. She looked for another way to skin that cancer and found it. I know that there are a lot of people who say, oh, well, that Gerson stuff's just voodoo. It's not real. It's not this or that. But she's using, she's using PET scans and CAT scans to prove it. Again, prove her wrong. She's got the conventional, um, test results to prove that there's more than one way to skin a cancer. And so even though I went with conventional treatments, I mixed holistic in with it. For instance, I broke out in shingles from the chemotherapy. And when it was time, and I remember thinking, oh my goodness, should I tell the doctors? And my guides said no, because they will put you on a medicine that will give you another reaction, and they'll give you another medicine for that reaction, and that will give you another reaction. I want you to uh, do a holistic treatment, which is um, uh, the, the, um, Oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the mushroom now. It just oh, the, my the right the reishi mushroom or, or shiitake yeah. or one of those. Yeah. I'll, I'll think of it as I'm talking to you. And so I I grew the mushroom at home and I was drinking the juice and uh, it cleared up. Then when I went to radiation, there was a whole group of us. There were about five of us in there. One of the girls that was going through radiation with us suddenly disappeared. And I, I was like, well, what happened to Susie? And they said, well, you know, she had um, she broke out in shingles when she was taking chemo, and they gave her an anti-shingle drug, and it, re- it reacted to the radiation, and she's had to stop treatment. She's got to wait two months and come back and start all over. Yes. You know, when we look at the world that we're stepping kombucha into right now. Kombucha mushrooms, that's it, the kombucha mushrooms. Oh, yeah, kombucha. Oh, yeah, They're, those are very interesting to cook a batch of those up, boy. Um, mm-hmm. This is such an incredible uh, journey and story. And the pieces uh, that we've at least been able to talk about in this one one hour really are just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more that you're talking about in your books and your publications. What would you say the most significant opportunity is for people right now? Because I know we talked a lot about obstacles, um, but there's so much out there. For example, you know, UV light therapy that is, you know, now coming back after years and years and years and the, 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 the just uh, FDA hasn't gotten a hold of that quite yet. But what would you say are some of the opportunities that you want to leave with our listeners here for them to think about? Well, I think one of the biggest opportunities we have right now is the Internet. You can oh, yeah. get onto the Internet and you can research the way you have never researched before. And I think doctors are finding this very challenging because they're now interfacing with patients that have information. 
they're not coming into the doctor's office and saying, I have no idea what, what I've got, what you're doing, or the treatment. They're, they're having to interface with educated patients. So if you have something that is bothering you or you know somebody who has been diagnosed with something, get on the in- Internet and, and look up information. I remember the doctors looking at me and saying, you have too much information. And I looked at them and I said, you never have too much information. You gather all the information and then you choose what works for you, what you feel is right for you. But I think the Internet with all of the information that's on it, that's on it is absolutely fabulous. The other thing on, on a more um, a spiritual realm is I believe the veil between the earth plane and the spiritual plane is thinner than it's ever been. And I believe that with Reiki and with other meditations, meditation now coming to the forefront, um, more people than ever before are doing it. I think by using these, um, the, these methods of communication and healing, I think it opens up the realms to so much more than we've ever experienced before. It's almost like going back to the future where meditation and Reiki, using the hands to heal the same way that that, that during the time of Christ they healed, that is coming back into play. And I think that is because the information coming from the other side through the thinned veil yeah. is stronger than ever before. We're seeing it in our movies. We're seeing movies that are coming out showing how the veil between this realm and the other realms is being pushed aside. And all this incredible information is coming through to remind us that we are spiritual beings in a physical body. We are not physical beings, and then when you pull the plug when we die, we're gone. No. This is a very temporary area. This is a very temporary realm. We're here to do something. We came down here with a game plan. Reconnect with the people on the other side you spoke with before you got here and let them guide you to do the things that you said you wanted to do and complete before you leave. Wow. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Um, for everybody out there, you can find out lots more by going to survivingcancerland.com. Um, Kathleen, thank you so much. It's been an honor. And I, I am so, so thrilled to have been able to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Pat, and I've really enjoyed the time that we've spent together. This hour went so quickly. It did go so quickly, and that's why I say to everybody out there, please, please, please go to the website, check it out, and don't we want everyone to take back control of their health? Yes, we do. I love it. All right, everybody, until next time, I want to thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. If you've missed any part of this, you're going to want to listen to this again. Uh, and, and, and Kathleen, um, you know, the, the process of the book writing, when are you expecting the book? Well, I have an agent in, uh, in, in New York, uh, um, Jack Scoville of Scoville, Gallon and Gauche, and the book is actually in nine, the manuscript is in nine publishing houses oh wow uh seven of them have had it for almost a year it's like um you know i'm a a new writer i've never written a book before and so there's this reluctance to take a chance but they love the book so much they don't want to send it back so (laughs) my agent has reassured me that he thinks that we're going to have very good news very soon like within you know weeks um, they've had it that long. It's gone through all of the editors, all the acquisition editors. It's been okayed in most of the, the the marketing section of the publishing houses. So now it's just um, a, a matter of a very short amount of time, and it's going to be out. And there's actually two other books behind that one that go that go with this one. The second one is Surviving Recurrence in Cancer Land, and the third one is um, Thriving After Surviving because my friends would say, well, how did you get back into regular life? How did you stop being this perpetual patient? Mm. And so that's the third book. 
I love it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning us in. Stay tuned. More to come. When Kathleen has got that book out, we're going to bring her back. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat Show. Thank you so much. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone.